This episode of Day 2 Cloud is sponsored by Datadog, the SaaS monitoring and security platform that enables full-stack observability for developers, IT operations, security, and business teams in the cloud age. Learn more about Datadog by signing up for a two-week free trial at datadoghq.com slash day2cloud. And while you're there, you can get yourself a free t-shirt. Welcome to Day 2 Cloud. Today, we are going to be talking about how you go about interviewing for a massive company, a FANG company, the Googles, the AWSs of the world. And we are going to have our buddy, Nate Avery, an outbound product manager at Google Cloud, walking us through what that process looked like. Ethan, what stood out to you in the conversation? Uh, Nate makes a great point along the way that uh, you have a massive imposter syndrome, maybe trying to interview at a place like Google uh, for a position at Google Cloud, but they want to hire someone, maybe you, they are looking for people and you might be that person. So you have as good a shot as anybody at getting a position there. Right. So don't discount yourself. You can do this. And Nate agrees too. enjoy this conversation with Nate Avery, outbound product manager at Google Cloud. Nate, welcome back to the show. You are a guest on Day 2 Cloud way back in episode 19 of the podcast. That was, that was a little while ago. Uh, <laughs> what have you been Yeah, up? that's like totally times before. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, the poor times. What have you been doing since 2019? Uh, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, you know, interviewing, getting jobs. <laughs> making, making money, you know. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that part, but at least getting jobs. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and that and that's germane to the topic because we're going to be talking about how you go about getting a job, particularly at a huge tech company. And for those who are listening, Nate recently got a job at Google. So congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And oddly enough, around the same time that that happened, mm-hmm. I got a Twitter message from a day two cloud listener that asked us if we could do an episode you know, just kind of covering how do you get a job at one of these Fang companies, the the Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. I think were the yeah. original, but it's expanded beyond that to to. Oh yeah, them. yeah, and then you know Facebook changed to Meta, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse, sir. I refuse. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was a nice uh, confluence of events, and I thought, hey, let's get you back on the show and talk about how you went about this this process. So let's start with just basics. Like, what is your job at Google now, and, and how long have you been there? Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm coming up with six months, and I am an outbound product manager, and that's uh, sort of an interesting job in that I, I talk to customers and I try to understand how they view our products. Uh, I try to understand what we can do better in our products, bring that back to the product team, and then. We iterate. And on the other side of it, I talk to the product team, figure out what we're doing new. Uh, and then I bring that message to the outside world. <laughs> you know, so uh, it, it's pretty much just figuring out what people like about our product and what they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also do some interesting things like uh, we wind up being uh, customer zero, uh, as, as, as one of our guys puts it as. You know, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is. We are, we're supposed to take a look at it, try to be objective and, and really figure this out in terms of where this thing lands in relation to the rest of the market as well, because there are some strategic aspects of the job. You know, how, how do we position this? Are we doing the thing that's right in industry? Are we differentiating enough? Um, mm-hmm. are, are the things that... Just because there's a trend going on in industry, is that something we even need to follow, right? Hmm. So there are all these little weird parts of it. And then, you know, I'll also throw up videos and tweets and stuff <laughs> or, uh, or blog posts. So it's, it's this crazy blending of a lot of different things. Yeah. And it's, it's challenging, but it's cool. You know, it's yeah. fun. Now, Nate, you said your title was outbound product manager. And I got to admit, the first thing I thought of was Nate's on the committee at Google that decides which Google product they're going to kill next. It's the outbound ones. <laughs> and not at all. You're trying to you're trying to make them work, Nate. And that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We're keeping them off the killed by list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one wants to show up on that site. And, and, you know, that's the funny thing, right? Like being on the inside now. 
understanding that, you know, no one tries to make a bad product, right? And that, that's not something that I really ever fully grasped before. Um, you know, because when we were, we're doing TFDs, right? You know, we're, we're listening to guys and they're throwing stuff out and we're like, that's kind of, you know, wow. Why, why, why would you do that? <laughs> and uh but then you know you once you're on the inside you realize oh well that was not the intention <laughs> and uh and it's like yeah i mean they're you, you find out they're just real people there's real people making real decisions and yeah. it could be any number of reasons why something happens the way it is and it actually turns out it's a minor miracle that anything ships at all <laughs> in some cases <laughs> No, you as an outbound product manager, it sounds like the outbound means it's it's customer facing and the end as you were getting to the end of your job description, it sounds like there's a marketing component to it too, or, or maybe an advocacy component would yeah. be a better way to describe. It. Does that feel about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a bit of a of an advocacy uh, oh. aspect, and we still have DevRel. We still have uh, you know lots of other groups that do that. There's a, a real marketing arm. There's all of that. Uh, but what we're trying to do is is still talk to customers, try to understand it um, w- without without it being like marketing. So, so for instance, what what I would do in in some cases, or what I've done in some cases, is uh, work with UX and UR people to conduct surveys of you know how people are using our product. You know, what you like about it? Was it difficult to use? Um, what what was weird about it? Uh, and then we can do all of this stuff with the data that we've gathered and then, you know, try to make the product, you know, do, do improvements, mm-hmm. make some iterative changes. I'm not familiar with the term UR. I've heard UX before, user experience. What does UR stand for? Yeah, it's like user experience and user research, I believe. Okay. Hmm. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but uh that part might have to get edited out but yeah, <laughs> yeah I think somewhere around there <laughs> nate i've worked for some big companies and some small companies and on the whole i'd rather work for a small company why you know you're at one of the biggest companies there is what why did you want to work for a big company was there uh something you were hoping to gain specifically or um yeah yeah so so if i i'm completely 100 percent honest it was always on my career bucket list, not to work at Google, but to work at one of the big tech companies, kid growing up in the eighties and nineties. Mm. That was the thing, right? You know, mm. it, it was just like, Hey, that, that's where you go. If, if you're in tech and, mm. um, and I never really let go of that, you know, it was always kind of there in the back of my mind. So when the opportunity came up, it's like, heck yeah, <laughs> you know, let's, let's give it a shot. That's wow. funny. You're a child of the 80s and 90s, uh, too. And growing up in tech for me, of course, Microsoft was the big, you know, the, the, the big company. Everybody was idolizing Microsoft. They were the thing, idolizing or hating one or the other. Oh, um, yeah. You know, Novell right. was massive back in the day. Of course, IBM was huge. And yeah, you look at those companies like, wow, people that work there, they must be like the, the smartest ever, the bestest ever. And these people all make the products we want. So working there, yeah, that would feel like a dream yeah. coming from that environment. Now it's the 2020s and we're all cynical, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And it's like, you know, you, you, you get to that whole 90s thing of like, oh, man, effort sucks. And, you know, why are we why are we doing this? And 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 but but even more bizarre for me is that, you know, some of the, the younger generation, they view big corporations as inherently evil in some way. Yeah. And uh, that's a. It's an odd place to be in. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure how to navigate that, like, especially with my kids. So like (laughs) my youngest is, you know, she jokes about it all the time. You're like, oh, you're going to work for Super Evil Corp today. (laughs) 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 Uh, Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. Like, you know, got to pay the mortgage. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, hey, you want food, don't you? (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, and it's, it's, it's a joke within our home, but then I can clearly see like on social media that 
For some people, it's not, it's, it's not a joke. And then, so I balance that with what I see on the inside. And again, it's like people not trying to make a bad product. Mm. I see lots of messages internally that pretty much say, don't do bad stuff. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I can only speak for what I know about from my perspective within where I am. And I think there's definitely also something to be said for just having the experience of working for a large organization or one of these big sort of famous companies. It's an experience that's going to be like no other career experience. So just from a personal, like, I want to have experiences that are interesting. Mm -hmm. I can see the allure of of going to work for one of these larger companies. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's like, (laughs) it's global, like global, global. And so when you're working for a company and you're building your network and you're like, hey, you know, we're going to be over here. We're going to be across the country and we're going to have all, you know, be in all these cities. And then you realize there are companies that enable you to do that. <laughs> that is, they're just levels to this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how that works and the machinery involved and like, why do things happen the way they do? Uh, it, it's really interesting because when you work for a lot of smaller companies, at least my experience has been, uh, they're, they're very top down. You know, it, it's very much, hey, you know, I'm the founder. Mm-hmm. We're doing this. This is the direction. But here, it's weird. It's like this, uh, maybe like a startup culture. Like mm-hmm. you can almost imagine most teams being little startups. And we're just kind of, they're, they're mostly engineering led <laughs> and you can, and people are just trying to create stuff. Huh. And it's like, okay, so we've got these ideas going all the time. And it's, it's weird, the level of freedom in a larger company that I never experienced in a smaller company. Hmm. It's completely backwards, <laughs> it, it, at least in my mind. Yeah, that that does sound unexpected. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of resources. You know, yeah. If you're if you have resources, you can. I don't want to say indulge, but like you can experiment. You can experiment more, right? And and that's what a lot of this stuff is. It's it's experimenting and trying to find the next thing. Right. It's sort of the venture capitalist model of I'm going to make a lot of small bets in these different startups Mm -hmm. and hope that I get a. 100x return on one of those, knowing that like 90% of my investments are just going to bottom out to zero, that the mm-hmm. startup's going to fall apart, whatever it is. It's just more happening on, on an internal level. Oh, yeah. And it's also kind of neat because, you know, people are kind of following passion projects in a lot of ways, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working in a fairly well-connected team and you're just doing this thing. You know, you're, you're on a... Mm-hmm project that you believe in and your team believes in and you're going to storm the hill together. It's kind of neat. Yeah. So I got to ask, since you decide to go after this goal, mm-hmm. how do you even apply to a job at one of these large organizations? Because you can't just like rock up to the local Google store and grab a paper application and hand it to the hiring manager, right? Like there's some sort of process yeah. happening here. So how Walk us through the beginning portion of this process. How did you even apply for a job at Google? Okay. So, um, again, full transparency. Uh, I never really consider myself Google material. So the idea of like going to their website, looking at the careers page and be like, that's for me. No, no, never crossed my mind ever. (laughs) Uh, But um, so obviously imposter syndrome, Nate, or is that maybe somewhat justified somehow? Uh, yeah, I think maybe imposter syndrome. I mean, yeah. and, and also because I'd spent so much time in the government space. That's where I grew up. That's, that's what I did. I was writing proposals. I was trying to help the government do stuff better with IT and, and actually trying to bring some of the Silicon Valley type ideas into the government. And, um, you know, but I wasn't a part of that scene, right? You know, it's like, I'm here in D.C. You know, that seems Not to be a very... valley scene where all the cool kids are hanging out. Exactly. So, like, you know, I, 
I wouldn't have even known where to go, <laughs> you know, if there was a local <laughs> office, you know, which was actually we do have a local office. I found out. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it wasn't ever really a thing that I saw. I didn't go places and see a bunch of Google people somewhere. Um, I didn't have a lot of interactions with them. Like, uh, I think we've all probably been on work sites and you work with, let's say, a bunch of Microsoft folks, right? The, the engineers who were on site or something like that or uh, Oracle engineers or whoever. And I just never really saw that from Google. So it didn't, it didn't feel like a real thing, you know, mm. because it didn't seem to align with my skill set and it didn't align with me geographically. So, but a friend of mine, you know, who, who we know, uh, landed there and he'd been there for a few months and he said, hey, you should check this out. And I was a little skeptical, you know, it's like, well, because of all the things I talked about before. Uh, but then I started looking into it and I was like, well, all right, let's, let's do it. Let, let's, let's give it a shot. See what happens. Hello, I'm briefly interrupting this cloudy conversation to bring you a few words about today's sponsor, Datadog, the SaaS monitoring and security platform for dev, ops, security, and every team in between. Datadog's platform, along with 500-plus vendor-backed integrations, lets you correlate metrics, traces, logs, and security signals across your applications, your infrastructure, and third-party services, all from one location. These capabilities, combined with drag-and-drop dashboards and machine learning-based alerts, helps teams troubleshoot and collaborate more effectively, preventing downtime and enhancing performance and reliability. Try Datadog in your own environment for two weeks for free. Sign up at datadoghq.com slash day2cloud, and you can also get a free t-shirt. That's datadoghq.com slash day2cloud. And now, back to the podcast. So is application as simple as uh, submitting a form with your resume, or is it more complicated than that? No, it's pretty much like what you would do anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazingly normal. Um, yeah, you know, you, 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 you work your resume up, uh, you answer the questions they give you. Mm -hmm. um, some of these companies, they'll make you do like a, a little mini test. Um, you know, it's all... They all have their little quirks, I guess, in their processes. But but yeah, it's, it's mainly like you would do anything else. They tell you, hey, here's a site, put your stuff in and apply. Mm -hmm. So you apply and then do you follow up to find out how it went now that you've submitted all your info or does someone oh. ping you back or what happened? Oh, my next? bad. Yeah. OK. So, yeah, you apply, you do all that stuff. Uh, one of their uh, recruit, recruiter type people uh, gives you a call. And you start talking a little bit more about what it is, what the role is, and, you know, your background and how that might translate and all that sort of thing. And if that looks good, then you start setting up your schedule for what the next set of uh, contacts will be. And uh, you, you've it, passed an initial screening, essentially, now that they've vetted you that you basically, yeah, he, he looks like a legit candidate. They begin putting you in front yeah. of people who m would more seriously consider you for the role. Yeah, exactly. You know, they want to make sure, hey, you know, they're not going to waste anyone's time. Right. So someone's got to go through that process. It's the same as in any company. Right. You know, you you want to have some kind of pre-screening just to, to validate that this is a legit way to go. And uh, so, yeah, you do that. Then there's a phone screen uh, with someone else and they give you some more technical type questions and that sort of thing. Uh, and then if you make it past that. Then you, you hit the rest of the gauntlet <laughs> and it's <laughs> just one uh, one battle after the other. And I, I kind of. Again, child of the 80s, and 90s. It's like Street Fighter. <laughs> you know, you're just one after the other, trying to move up the ranks, and and do you make it? And uh, yeah, and then eventually you, you hope to to you know come come out on the podium. You get to end Bison, and you and you win Street Fighter in that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and whatever the end of your story is, depending on if you're Ken or, or whoever the other guy was, right? Right. Or whether you're playing Street Fighter Alpha and then the two of you got to team up. And yeah, you know, it gets complicated, but not quite that bad. 
<laughs> right. At some of the jobs I've applied for in the past, it was more of a panel style where it was you and then like four or five people on the other side asking questions yeah. in, in sort of a roundtable format. Was it like that or was it mostly just one-on-one type interactions? One-on-ones. Uh, and then it can last for like two days. Oh, so wow. it's, it's a serious thing. And, uh, and it can be draining physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to want to make sure you're in a good headspace for it. And um, yeah, and, and get your rest and be ready because it is a, it is a process. Right, right. And, and, and so that kind of leads me into the, the question I have in terms of preparation. Like, you know, you're going into this interviewing gauntlet. I'm sure there's someone has prepared you for this at least a mm-hmm. little bit. What did you do to start preparing for the process? Did you did you brush up on your computer science uh, <laughs> you know, theories? Uh, did you watch YouTube videos that, uh, you know, purported to teach you or, or, or do something else? Uh, I, I did a little bit of everything. <laughs> so I did watch the videos because uh, they're out there and there are videos from like, you know, regular people. And then there are videos actually from Google itself. So you can watch them and learn from them. And uh, I would say if you're going to do that, make sure you're watching the videos for the position that you're applying for. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and if you uh, are going to watch videos that are not specific to those positions, be aware of that, <laughs> you know, and just kind of like, OK, just because sometimes you want to know just what the possibility of questions are. Right. I want to see the entire question set. Um, but but then don't go in knowing this stuff and not get that question. Um, I will say this a lot of times the the questions that those people will ask you or sorry that you see in those videos um don't expect to get them verbatim (laughs) you know don't it's uh all right so there was a time when you could go through certifications and use what they called uh brain dumps right yeah still exist yeah. Does it still exist? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That sucks. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially, you had some people, and I'm just going to assume they're well-meaning people, who, who would come out of an exam, and they throw down all the questions that they can remember, and then try to give you uh, the, the answers to those questions. Mm-hmm. This isn't that, but if you're the type of person who would lean on brain dumps and expect that kind of this is the question. This is the answer I need to give. Uh, you will not do well. <laughs> you know, so no. the prep is more, these are the kinds of questions you could expect to get. Here's some examples. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. so um, you're, there are certain things you want to know, right? There's some facts. You're going to want to know the, the population of the earth, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and so here's where something like that could come in handy. Let's say you're having a discussion about a product and you're trying to figure out how many units you can sell. Well, you don't want to give a number that's, you know, like three to five times more than the people on Earth. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> come on. That, that doesn't even make sense. And so you're going to want to have some basic grasp of facts to make sure that your answers are within the realm of possibility. And so right. it also gets into your into how you think about things, right? Hmm. You, you start to go through a couple of different iterations of something and then you compare it against what you actually know. And you can say, does this, does this make sense? You know, mm, right. is this still a viable thing? You know, am I off somewhere? Um, and, and so then you want to work through that, you know? So, so yeah, there, there's some stuff you want to know. And then there's some stuff that, you know, you're going to just want to be yourself about. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's kind of one of the other parts of it. Um, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, the, you definitely want to know yourself and you want to know interesting. your, your resume and you may want to definitely brush up on parts of your resume that you have submitted 
<laughs> as in if you say on your resume that you have x skill you need to be able to demonstrate that you have that skill yeah yeah um and, and i mean it, it kind of depends i guess maybe if you're going for a more engineering role or you're going for you know the, yeah. the type of role but yeah if you did something really cool engineering wise but you did it like 15 years ago <laughs> Um, yeah, you're going to want to go back and take a look at anything you wrote about that and refresh your memory because <laughs> you might get questioned on it. And, and I get it, you know, you, you want to make sure that the person is, is being credible and that they're, they're not trying to pull a fast one. And, uh, yeah, because we've all been on the other side of the interview table. You, you just want to know. It, it is a great point because there are people that will say they did X uh, as I've, I've interviewed lots of tech folks and you, I want to drill into that. Well, oh, mm -hmm. well, tell me about that. And at the end of the day, they were a team member on a project, but they weren't lead. They didn't really understand much about it. Mm -hmm. And so they were claiming like, like they had architectural engineering level knowledge about this big project mm -hmm. at work. Nah, they were on the team and had one small role. And so they were really overstating on their resume what it was they did to make themselves look better. So you got to get through that, that resume puffery as an interviewer yeah. to, to cut down to what's really going on. It's not terribly surprising that folks do that, right? Because they need to get their resume in the door to get the mm -hmm. interview. Oh, we always said when I was on the other side of the table, you know, doing the interviewing, we always said anything that's on your resume is fair game. So if you did something 10 years ago at a job and you've kept that as a skill in your resume, mm -hmm. I might ask you about that, which is why I took BlackBerry Enterprise Server Management off of my resume. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's the thing it, and it is fair game. And, and here's the other thing. You never know if the guy on the other side of the table, like if that was his jam, right? <laughs> like if that's something that they really know and love and can just go all off on and they're just looking for someone to, to have a, a banter about that, that topic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you want to make sure you're, you're square on that. Did you get esoteric or... or like, like these logic problem kinds of, uh, of things like, uh, like estimating how many jelly beans would fit in a 747, that sort of thing. Nah, nah, nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy like that. Um, but I don't know if that's because of the type of role I went for, you know, like, Hey, do you have to do some weird problem solving or know certain algorithms or whatever? I didn't go for an engineering role. So yeah. I, I can't speak on what those questions are like, but for me, nah, I, I didn't get anything crazy like that. You know, no, they again, just want just you to know a total addressable market in a global context. How many people are in the world that we can sell this thing to Nate? <laughs> yeah, well, not really, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you know, Hey, it, but it could also be, um, you know, what, whatever kind of problem you're looking to solve or how many people could be impacted by it. If you're going to try to make a difference, then what's how, how many people is that really? Right. I, I want to draw back to a point that you made earlier, because you said know yourself and mm -hmm. you were meaning like know what's on your resume and know what you've done in the past. But that mm -hmm. made me think of another thing, which is like just knowing who you are and being that person in the interview, maybe a slightly mm -hmm. heightened version of that person. But still, like at, at, at core, you're still that person that if they hire, they'll be working mm -hmm. with. Because this has definitely happened where I've had people that just sparkle in the interview. They are putting on a full show. And then once they're actually hired, it's like, where did that person go? I'm not getting yeah. that person now. Did you yeah, feel like, like, where's that line? And maybe this just comes from having interviewed people over years. I mean, you know, you do all the things that you're supposed to do in an interview, right? You know, shower, <laughs> <laughs> clean shirt, Uh you know, do, do all the right things, you know, be, be punctual, you know, try to be upbeat. Uh, but also be, you, you have to be you, right? Because like you said, you're, if you do get the job and you're around these people every day, they're going to have to, they're going to learn who you are at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but, but beyond that, this is, uh, the interview process really goes both ways. A lot of times they're looking for fit. Yeah. You might as well be you because 
if you're not you and they say, oh, that guy's a great fit. And then you get there, you realize you're not a fit. Well, then who does that benefit? That doesn't benefit either party. Right. Uh, but likewise, you are hoping that they're themselves so that you can make the judgment call of, oh, wow, maybe that wouldn't be a great fit for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just knowing myself and knowing how I like to work, if I'm getting weird vibes from, you know, from those guys, maybe I want to back away. Right. You know? Or or actually, I wouldn't say you want to back away, but what you would want to do is maybe do a little more due diligence than you would have normally, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to want to take a look at the, the sites out there, like the blinds of the world and, and different sites that tell you about, you know, salary compensation and what workforce is like. Uh, but you're not just going to read it and take it on face value. You're going to start looking between the lines, right? You're going to try to look for the things that are not said as much as the things that are said. And, uh, you know, just really kind of interrogate that, interrogate you and figure out if that's what you want to do. Um, especially if there are aspects of the job like relocation involved mm. because sometimes that's a the thing they're like hey you know you you want to go to whatever city and yeah i mean that's not a that's not a thing you want to take lightly so yeah i mean you, you want to definitely work all of that stuff out ahead of time and make sure that it's the right thing for you I think there's another piece of this here. If you're, uh, you know, about being yourself and knowing yourself, it could be that you applied for one position, but there's a second position in the company that maybe you weren't aware of that people in talking to you and seeing your personality come through in the mm -hmm. interview might go, I don't know that they're a fit for this job, but there's this other role within the company that uh, we think they are a fit mm -hmm. for and that you might get sent in that direction. Um, this happened to me in one role where I was being interviewed and they were trying to fit two roles. There was a manager mm -hmm. position. There was an engineer position. Which did mm -hmm. I want to do? And I needed because they, yeah. they they liked me. They wanted to fill one of the roles with uh, one of the roles with me. Which did I want? And it's like, uh, do I want to be the manager? Do I want to be an engineer? And I had to think about it because I'd had yeah. both roles previously. And I don't love yeah. being a manager. Honestly, I love being an engineer. And that's kind of the side I came down mm -hmm. on and ended mm -hmm. up interviewing for my, my future boss uh, later on. <laughs> nice. So see, in that case, team fit is definitely, you know, something you want to look for. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, who do you 100%. want in manager? Because especially when you know the personality of that team, you know, not, not just yourself, but but of your team, because now you're you're in the engineering group, you kind of know what they're needing in order to to be successful, right? You know, it, and it's not like even a, Hey, do they need some kind of strict, super general type? But just do you need someone who's diligent with the paperwork <laughs> to make sure that you guys get the funding that you need to make sure that things are going to going to happen the way they ought to? And uh, and then you can look for that in, in the types of people that you're you're interviewing. You can go down a, a series of questions that really make sense for what you're going after versus just the generic manager. Right. I like what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, when you're studying up, going into the interview, not not memorizing questions, but understanding the core concepts or the reasons why certain questions are being asked. It's kind of like that brain dump thing. Like, yeah, all my certifications had uh, old ones have lapsed at this point. So I don't care saying that I actually mm -hmm. did use some of those brain dumps when I was a consultant because they were like, <laughs> you need the certain you need it next week. I was like, yeah. Ah. Oh, <laughs> but um. And the main thing about those brain dumps was even if the exact question wasn't on there, you knew the areas that they were going to ask about. And you can mm -hmm. use that as a guide to to study and figure out what core concepts were going to be tested and just brush up on those. So even looking at those interview questions that you might see on YouTube, mm -hmm. you know that those might not be the exact questions, but it gives you a really good idea of what areas they're going to be focusing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there's just stuff that make you evaluate some other aspects of, of how you view things like um, going into the product manager deal, since that was a new space for me, listening to some of those questions, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what, what would make a product good or bad? You know, what, <laughs> you know, uh, how, how many of these should they expect to sell? What does this market look like? You know, who are the other players in the market? Uh, and, you know, you just want to, whatever role it is that you're going for, 
try to learn more about that role and then understand the types of questions you could be asking it. Right. Yeah. So once your interview process was over, you went through the gauntlet, right? Mm -hmm. And now they need to make a decision. Are they going to mm -hmm. offer you a job? Mm -hmm. I, it's, what's the experience after that? What Were there any follow-up activities on your side? Did you send them chocolates or, or <laughs> um, flowers? Or <laughs> like, I, what did I, I did not. Um, I, I, I did not. I considered an offering. <laughs> However... <laughs> Uh, you know, I thought other, I thought otherwise, but, but no, you know, you, you call up, you know, and you're like, Hey, you know, anything. Um, <laughs> and, and then what, what you don't realize is that these are very large companies. They're not just interviewing you. They're interviewing a bunch of yous mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in other positions all over the company, cause there are a bunch of different slots to fill. And it's going to take a minute to get to you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, so whatever things happen in the background, whether it's committees or whatever it is, you, you got to let that have time to play out. Hmm. Um, so if you don't hear back something right away, do not take it as a sign of, oh, my goodness, you know, this didn't work. It's just, you know, that, that is something that a big company that a company that size will do that's kind of like a big company, right? Where, where you just can't be, you know, turn around something instantly. Right. And, and big companies also tend to have process in place such that you're going to hear something one way or the yeah. other. And yeah, it won't be fast, oh, yeah. but you will hear one way or the other for sure. They're not going to oh, yeah. ghost you. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't go. Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> again, I can only speak for myself. Uh, but yeah, I, I I did not get the feeling that that ghosting was was part of what they do because um you know I I felt like I had a pretty good relationship with the person who I was assigned uh you know who's walking me through the process and helping me with the scheduling and helping me with all the other stuff yeah I mean it was it was really neat okay so you had sort of like uh someone on the whatever team the hiring team or mm -hmm. the, the HR team that yeah. was sort of holding your hand through the process so you wouldn't get lost in the gauntlet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. good. And, you know, they weren't like, go it alone. Good luck. Oh, no, no, no. They, that, that part's really well thought out and, uh, and it's very much appreciated. Now, Nate, I believe you went on a couple of different interviews with, uh, with Fangs and one worked out, you know, you're working at Google. The other one didn't work out. So ha let's start with the one that didn't work out. How did you, how did you deal with the, uh, how did you deal with the rejection? It was, easier to deal with the rejection because I realized before the boss battle that I lost. <laughs> right. You know, so this is like, you know, two or three before the end of the, the gauntlet, like this ain't happening. And um and it goes back to to what we were talking about before, where it's like, know your resume. Years and years ago, I put together two flex pods and the first time we had a reseller, you know, help us do the config and I'm sitting there and I'm watching them and we're taking notes. The second one, I'm like, yeah, I, I can do it. Mm. <laughs> and so I did. And I went through the deal and I'm ordering all the parts and racking it and stacking it. And during the interview, I just went blank. Like, like what about how to, how to install a flex pod? Yeah. Well, like, like the connectors, like, oh, shucks. Did I, I think those were twin acts that I used, but then I had some other GVIX and crap, what speed were they? <laughs> you know, you know, were they, were they multi-mode? You know, like it, it's, it's stuff like that, that just, you know, where, when you're in it, you're super in it, mm -hmm. you give yourself some years away and yeah. I've not touched one since. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the reason why I would keep something like that on there is to say, well, yeah, I mean, I can jump into a fairly deep technical level if I need to do something and accomplish it. But no, I don't have the memory to spontaneously do it right now. <laughs> so I, I take it you got asked about that in the interview and that was one of the things that went wrong? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a dumpster fire that just kept burning and becoming more and more intense. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
really kept asking you because I've done that to people where I, I, I want to probe in to see how deep they go if it's on their resume. But as soon as I kind of get to like, uh, okay, this is kind of where, where we stop. I'm not going to keep throwing fuel on the fire and, you know, have it, have them burned to the ground in front of me. That seems terrible. No, no. So, so here's the thing, right? I, I don't take it in a bad way at all. I think he was trying to throw me a life raft in a way, right? Like, okay, well, what about this thing? <laughs> it's like, by that point, I was, I was flustered. I was embarrassed, uh, ashamed, <laughs> you know, it's like all the, the horrible things. And, and it's tough to re to pull yourself back together at that point. So yeah, even, even a right, a life raft just seems like, you know, it, it's landing on you instead of near you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I kind of knew that that was that was not going to happen. Gotcha. Now, so that that was the one that crashed and burned, and I guess you you had a good sense for what was happening during the interview process. So <laughs> oh, you yeah. surprised when when the rejection came that you didn't you didn't make the cut to. Oh, oh, that was hysterical. So, you know, I got to the, you know, the boss rounds like, yeah, dude, this ain't happening. <laughs> and he's like, like, really? Why? And then I go through the whole explanation like, yeah. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it was really cool. Everyone was super cool about it. And, um, you know, and I guess it, it went through its process. And then uh, to your point about them not ghosting you. I don't know, a week or two goes by. I get a call from the. The uh, the liaison, the concierge, you know, the, the person who was trying to guide me through the process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's explaining. And I was like, yeah, I know I didn't get it. Like, <laughs> and she's like what? And I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. I not. I would have been more surprised if you told me yes. Because <laughs> I think she was ready to do the whole, hey, sorry, you know, not right now, but you can reapply. It's like. Nah, I know what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, it's looking back on it, um, you know, I, I'm lucky I can have a laugh about it. It's just one of those experiences in life. And uh yeah, you know, and, and that's what's gonna happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and just remember there's there's more than one of these companies out there. And and it was a, a lesson to me. I, I took that lesson. Uh, it was before the Google interview. And I was like, oh, yeah, I probably should um, go through my notes on some of these things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so stuff happens. Yeah. Just, yeah. Now, just interview. like you said, you, you applied these lessons and these learnings to, to the next one. And in that case, you got the job. Yeah. But sometimes that can feel a little bit like the dog who caught the car. You're like, I got it. I got it. What do I do now? Um, how did you feel about getting the offer from Google and accepting it? It went from, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, to, oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and, uh and and of course, all the normal stuff happens, right? The imposter syndrome stuff comes, you know, it's a whole new wave of that. Like, oh my God, I'm going to get in there and then they're going to discover, you know, that it's just me. <laughs> you know, I used to say, was I, did I do too much during the interview? Do they not know who I am? <laughs> right. You'd already so, said, like, before you even applied, you never thought you would get a position at Google. It seemed unachievable. So you already had a little of that imposter syndrome internalized. Oh, God, yeah. And then because of the other experience, right? You know, I was kind of like, yeah, they tell me no, they tell me no, right? Because I'd been told no. I knew what the worst that could happen was. And I was like, yeah, all right, it sucks, but you move on. So, uh, so yeah, I was was totally elated. I mean, like, just off the rails. And then, uh, you know, the other stuff starts to kick in. Like, you know, after you get past the imposter, imposter stuff then you have to get serious and do that next round of research okay cool what is this role what is the level um what is what is compensation supposed to be right Um, how does all that work out like you know are they going to ask me to relocate Mm -hmm. um you know all the the stuff that you maybe gloss over 
during the interview process, because really, why go that deep into it if you're not actually hired? <laughs> um, but but once that stuff, once you've gone past that, then you have to be real about it. And those decisions matter. And, you know, so, you, yeah, you go to those other sites, you start trying to figure stuff out. You talk to people, you know, hopefully, you know, some people who work there. Uh, you can kind of, you know, ask them some more stuff that maybe you uh, you were maybe blind to before because you're just so enamored with the idea. And um, yeah, yeah. And you just do that stuff and then it, it works out. It, it does. Right. So you, you had done uh, after you got the offer, you did some level of research to figure out, hey, what's a what's a salary band for this? You know, what should I expect from a compensation standpoint? And then you were able to you know negotiate a little bit. Uh, in terms oh, yeah. Of the yeah. Because going into the interview, I had a rough idea. Right. You know, again, it's OK. Rough words of magnitude. <laughs> what is you know, what is this level? Because, you know, when you're going for any job, you want to make sure that. You're not setting yourself up for something less than what you're already doing, right? You know, that that's, you know, why, why go through the hassle otherwise? Um, but, you know, I, I knew the broad idea of what it was, but I didn't have anything zeroed in. I didn't have a real, I, and negotiations are over. So I didn't have a number in my mind, you know, during the interview that I thought I needed to get. Mm -hmm. uh, but then during negotiations, it, you have to come up with your number, <laughs> right? You have to know what it is and, and figure out what that looks like. And it's a fang company. So, you know, you start looking at things in different levels of compensation, like, uh, like RSUs or, you yeah. know, stock units and stuff. And how does that work versus just cash and <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I just know the yeah. Answer. Right. Like, like I'm a normal person. <laughs> I don't know how that stuff is supposed to work. Right. Uh, so then that's another level of research that you start doing. And, and you're like, okay, well, well how does this work? Uh, when do they vest? Is it real money? Is it fake money? <laughs> is it, you know, a promise of a, of a hamburger Tuesday? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so you start going through that and, and you work it all out and you figure out, okay, well, this is, this is what I want. And you have those discussions. Everybody's real, real chill about it. And, uh, yeah. And then you just get ready for your day. You know, you get ready for day one. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I, day one is gone. Day two mm -hmm. has, has come along. Hey, that's the name of this podcast, day two cloud. Yeah. How about that? We worked it yeah. out. <laughs> now that you've been at Google for a little bit, you've gotten to know that the culture and the people and, uh, and had time to reflect on the process of getting there. Why don't you summarize a few key takeaways for the audience if they are looking to break into a, a Fang style company through the interview process? Yeah, yeah. So uh, takeaways. Um, the first, you can definitely do this, right? You know, you're a person, they're a person. That old cliche about everyone puts on their pants one leg at a time. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, just you know that they're, they're looking for. They're looking for people, right? You know, that's the neat thing about it. You know, sometimes when you're going on interviews, you forget that the reason they're interviewing is because they want to hire someone. <laughs> so uh, so keep that in mind and just, you know, be honest. And, and like I said, do all the normal stuff, right? You know, mm -hmm. iron your shirt, you know, be polite, do the things that you're supposed to do and, and be yourself, you know, get, get through it. Um. The second one, um, God, is that uh, it? It is a choice, right? It's a choice both ways. Yeah, you want them to choose you, but you're choosing them. Uh, at you guys have probably seen her on, on Twitter. Uh, Kanika Tolliver has this awesome line, and it's "You're dating jobs," right? And <laughs> And nothing is more true than on the interview, right? Because you're trying to figure out, you're both doing this dance. And, hey, is that going to work for me? Is there something about it? You know, am I getting these weird signals from them? You know? So, yeah, just pay attention to that stuff, you know, and make sure you're asking them the questions 
as much as they're asking you questions. And when they're asking you questions, think about what that could lead to, right? So, um, you know, like in a normal IT job interview, they'll ask, are you okay working in a fast-paced environment? Yeah, and yeah. the red flag goes up. You, you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that means I'm carrying a pager and I'm there every weekend. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, you keep your ears open. You, you just keep kind of, you know, let the spidey sense, you know, work. And, uh, yeah, and take it from there. I like that. I like the idea of the you're 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 dating your job, so you got it. You're having that first date. You're figuring, feeling each other out, and yeah, maybe, it's yeah, maybe it's not, and that that either one's okay. Right. This is the courtship phase. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you know, it's, it's it's really just more of the same, right? It's just, hey, it's 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 a job like any other. Don't get hung up on it. <laughs> there are plenty of other jobs. There are plenty of other companies, and you can reapply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you have one bad experience, it's okay. You can you can reapply. You know, they they have tons of other jobs. Um, and and Ethan, like you were saying, hey, you might not be a fit for this one, but there's probably another one that that would be a better fit, or there is another team where you would where your skill set makes more sense. So, yeah, I mean, this is it's all doable. It's just the, the hardest thing. I think to uh, to get through is the sense that you should treat it similarly to how you would treat other job interviews, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with any job interview, you should be prepared. You should understand something about the company. You should understand maybe their leadership structure. Maybe you've talked to some people who work there. You know, those, those are things that you would normally do that you should do anyway. You know, read the company's website. <laughs> Go figure, right? You know, kind of know something that they do, that, that they've made. Um, do you own any of their products? Do you have thoughts on any of their products? <laughs> um, yeah. So you don't have to put more on it. Right. Just because it's one of these large companies, you don't have to put them up on a pedestal. It's still, no. you're applying to go work at a company and it's going to be yeah. a job. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Very well said. More, way more concise too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nate, this has been an illuminating conversation. If, if I ever uh, consider applying at one of these uh, organizations, I might reach out to you again or just re-listen to this episode. So thank you so much for appearing on Day 2 Cloud yet again. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Absolutely. So uh, Nate Avery, he's the outbound product manager uh, at Google. And uh, thank you. I'm just one of many. There, there, I'm not the, I am A. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. There's a whole team of us. <laughs> whole team. And yeah. you could be one of that team potentially. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, virtual high fives, dear listeners, for tuning in. If you've got suggestions for future shows, we want to hear about that. You can hit either of us up on Twitter at Day2CloudShow, or you can fill out the form on the Day2Cloud website. There's actually a form on the Day2Cloud.io website. Go there. Let us know what you want to hear about. Hey, this was a listener request, and we made an episode. How about that? Um, Did you know that you don't have to scream into the technology void alone? The Packet Pushers Podcast Network has a free Slack group that's open to everyone. You can just visit packetpushers.net slash Slack and join. It's a marketing-free zone for engineers to chat, compare notes, tell war stories, and solve problems together. Packetpushers.net slash Slack. Until next time, just remember, cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans. Mm-hmm.